Greetings and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this is a weekly show that brings you the most interesting content in information security, technology, and humans. The idea is content curation as a service. I spend between 5 and 20 hours a week consuming books, articles, and podcasts. I then take what I learned from that content and turn it into a concise 30-minute summary. If you enjoy or get value from the show, you can support it at danielmeisler.com support. And many thanks to everyone who's already subscribed. All right, welcome to episode 99. Going to start off with the security news. Russia's information warfare campaign seems to have been far more effective than people first thought. According to the New York Times, they evidently reached 126 million users on Facebook published more than 131,000 tweets, and uploaded more than 1,000 videos to YouTube. And I think we're still sort of uncovering kind of the impact, how many people saw the ads, uh, that sort of stuff. Uh, Several companies have made a number of changes. So um, Twitter has actually uh, started marking political ads, or they will mark political ads in the future. And of course, Facebook is doing quite a bit to uh, solve this problem. They've hired a bunch more humans to do editing and filtering. And uh, it looks like the industry is taking it pretty seriously, including Google. So I I think that's positive. A new AI based on the brain's visual cortex has massively wrecked CAPTCHA security giving over two and three success in a lot of runs, including against reCAPTCHA. So um, almost a 66% success um, against reCAPTCHA, just a really strong, uh, really strong breaking of reCAPTCHA again. If you remember, reCAPTCHA was broken a long time ago. Uh, Google then went in and fixed it uh, quite a bit, and now there's a new attack against it. Major bug was found in Google's bug database software. So this is basically what researchers put bugs into uh, to get fixed. And uh, someone was putting a bug in and found that they could pull bugs out by actually just um, IDOR, uh, basically changing uh, bug IDs and then just getting back tons of details on pretty much all the bugs in the database. And uh, there was some controversy because he only received like $15,500 for his, his findings. And a lot of people are saying it's worth way more than that. But he, he made a good point at the end of the post where he said that uh, <clears throat> these bugs are fixed very quickly. So they're kind of ephemeral. So uh, he was happy to have $15,000. But it was a great bug and a great write-up. ISIS has been putting bombs on drones for a while now. And, uh, well, maybe not so much anymore because it's uh, been shut down quite a bit. But um, now Mexican drug cartels are looking to do the same thing, uh, which is not great. They're using, evidently, uh, potato bombs on quadcopters and dropping them on rival cartels and law enforcement. DARPA wants U.S. ground troops to be accompanied by swarms of small flying or crawling robots. 
up to like 250 of them in a project called Offset, Offensive Swarm Enabled Tactics Initiative. Well, we kind of knew that this was coming. Like we've all read about this. We've all seen the movies, but it's a little bit different when DARPA actually funds a, funds a project for it and calls it Swarm Enabled Tactics Initiative. Um, <clears throat> there's a book called Kill Decision by Daniel Suarez. Fantastic book. Talks about specifically this thing, swarmed, uh, <clears throat> swarmed drones of different sizes. In the book, they're actually like insect size ones. But uh, of course, it was fiction, but it didn't read like fiction. It read like not too distant future that's almost inevitable. Someone found a USB drive in the UK full of details about London Heathrow's airport security, as well as travel details and executive protection plans for Queen Elizabeth II and visiting foreign dignitaries. It was basically just tons of the most sensitive information about physical security in London and for the UK. And someone, a homeless person just found it on a USB drive on the street, uh, took it to a library, put it in and found all this stuff. You have to wonder what was going through the mind of the person who lost this. They're like, oh, it was probably, eh, it's probably in the sewer. No one will ever find it. And then whatever, weeks, months, years later, this happens and it gets big news and that person's probably in a lot of trouble. Twitter is banning ads from RT and Sputnik due to evidence they are part of a collected effort to increase social strife in the U.S., especially related to Russia and the 2016 election. And like I said before, they are beginning to label political ads explicitly. Uh, it appears that more and more companies are looking towards AI for InfoSec help, not necessarily because they think it works or it will be effective, but they're kind of just willing to try anything because there aren't enough humans who are trained to do analyst work. So that's an interesting point. I mean, a lot of people are saying, oh, AI is amazing. AI can do anything. And there, there's kind of improper or imperfect arguments being shouted from across, you know, the different lines. And some are saying, oh, it's just awesome and it's perfect. And other people are saying, no, it's garbage. Um, but it's really not the argument that it's perfect that's going to win here. It's the argument that you can scale it. That, that's that's going to be the key. It's, all, it's all this, also the same for call centers, right? Uh, you don't have to be good. You just have to be better than crap. Um, and if you don't have any security analysts and you have way more data and just tons and tons of data to look at, if AI could do anything, then it adds value. Uh, where a human can't do that for you as well. So, well, and, and then you have the cost issues, uh, the training issues. Uh, it's easier to train an AI if um, for a particular data set because you could just right-click, copy, uh, right-click, paste, and uh, now it can do something else as long as the, the data and the use case is uh, the same. So I, I think we can expect uh, AI to get better here simply for this reason because it's going to get used, it's going to fail, it's going to fall on its face. 
but it's going to get better. And eventually it's going to be better than a junior analyst who's not very good. And that will be a big, big jump uh, because that'll matter. It, it will be producing value at that point. And then it'll just get better from there. It, it's like, it's like cryptography bugs, right? They only get better. Hackers broke into a high-profile plastic surgery clinic in the UK and stole tons of extremely sensitive images of VIP clients. So they're in various states of like not great pictures, right? Their, their mouth is wide open. The, you know, their face is deconstructed and you can like see their bones and everything. Um, genitals, of course, um, just lots of extremely sensitive private um pictures and they were stolen and uh, a lot of very prominent people are upset about this. You got models and actors and politicians and celebrities and all that good stuff. I'm not sure if they've already sort of started with the extortion um, or they just went right to releasing, but uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's something that can happen anytime you're having a lot of pictures taken and you don't want them to be found right? It's like an overlap of, are they available? And how interesting would it be for someone to see these things, if not valuable, beyond just being interesting? Human news, technology news, Twitch seems to be winning the game. Twitch seems to be winning the gaming streaming battle against Google. Their concurrent streamers grew 67% in Q3 as YouTube gaming declined significantly. This is expected for me because platforms like this are very similar to social media and Google just seems completely incapable of making a good interface for any sort of social community, right? When I saw the first I mean, think about all the iterations, right? Google Plus, Google Wave, Google Wave Plus, Google Hangouts, Google Work, Google Hangout Work Plus, like all these things that they go nowhere. It seems like you rename them every week and a half. And uh, meanwhile, you have things like Zoom and the new Slack interaction and uh, even Skype is, is still alive and kicking. Um so yeah, if you put something like Twitch up against, which by the way is owned by Amazon, up against Google, I, I think Google's going to lose. Um, Back end, crunching huge numbers. Uh, I mean, Google Analytics that is a that is a godly feat to be able to produce that quality of data at such scale, and that's what Google is good at, right? They are good at doing hard things very fast in large numbers, but interface, no. And so much of what gamers need, they need interaction from their fans and their communities. And that, that is a social issue. That is a uh, interface UI UX issue. So I, I think Google's gonna lose to Amazon there. Uber now lets you make multiple stops, thank goodness, on the way to your destination, both before you start and while en route, this is great news for a lot of people because you kind of realize, oh, I need to pick up a bottle of wine. I need to pick up some food. I need to do something on the way to this party or whatever. And it's 
always been kind of uncomfortable. Hey man, can you stop here? I need to grab something. And they're like, yeah, usually they're like, yeah, no problem, but it'd be much nicer to make it, you know, official through the app. So that's evidently available now. <clears throat> Amazon now has over 540,000 employees and net sales increased in Q3 from 32.7 billion to 43.7 billion. What an absolute force of a company. Oh, and also Jeff Bezos just became the richest man in the world, overtaking Bill Gates. <clears throat> Google's ad business is now larger than that of Facebook, Alibaba, Baidu, Twitter, Amazon, and Snap combined. Evidently, their ad revenue for Q3, this is Google I'm talking about, improved by 35% in Q3. That's just ridiculous. Uh, so evidently, they've handled the transition really well to mobile. Um, they're getting a lot more clicks in YouTube. Yeah, they're, they're doing really well. 91% of payments in Australia are contactless. That is a lovely number. I, I wish we had that number. You're about to see our number. It's quite sad in the U.S. Uh, 45% in the U.K. and 5% in the U.S. 5%. How embarrassing is that? Uh, Apple Pay seems to account for around 90% of the transactions in the 20 markets where it's available. So Apple Pay is definitely winning. I, I think that's because uh, iPhone users probably tend to buy more stuff. Um, so tend to like the convenience. Uh, I, I think it's the same thing as like why they tend to click on ads and why they tend to buy. Uh, they're just a more lucrative base. That's why so many app developers start on iPhone. But, uh, what's interesting to me here is, are the numbers for the countries? I mean, Australia, 91%. That's, that's fantastic. It makes me want to go just for that. I really loved London. London's got to be up there in 75, 80, 90%. London has it almost everywhere. Um, and here in the Bay Area, I mean, we just don't have it very much at all. I mean, it's getting more and more common, and uh, it's just going too slow for my taste. IBM has simulated a 56-qubit quantum computer in a traditional architecture and kind of bypassed Google on this, kind of embarrassed them a little bit. And uh, they did it using only four and a half terabytes of memory, whereas I think they were up over like 140 terabytes of memory on the previous edition. But uh, quite interesting to model a quantum computer inside of a traditional architecture. And that is what IBM has just done. Human news. Millennials may be choosing brands that make them feel safe. So uh, there's a brand of um, backpack that has been popular for years and years and years. And evidently the uh, young urban sort of well-to-do hipster types are, uh, are basically buying this in droves, uh, becoming very popular. Uh, the article also mentioned New Balance, just classic brands. And the theory there was that, you know, when everything is uncertain, a brand is kind of like an anchor. thought it was pretty interesting. PayPal is now worth more than American Express. 
AI has been used to find suicidal tendencies in brain scan data. A new study has again indicated that high IQs associated with various psychological disorders. Walmart is expanding its in-store robot program, but it's quick to point out, don't worry, it doesn't mean the robots are going to replace the humans. That's a big relief. I'm glad they mentioned that. The top 20% of incomes paid 95% of taxes. And I think this was some sort of allusion to the tax cut that could potentially happen. Um, I knew the numbers were crazy, but top 20% pays 95% of taxes. Evidently, the middle class, whatever you call that as, pays low single digits of the taxes. So I guess the idea is if you do a tax cut, guess where it's going to benefit? GE is moving away from the forced annual performance review model that it helped pioneer. And many other companies are doing the same. Uh, so this article is basically talking is, is about forced ranking and how GE uh, pioneered this. So this is where if you have five people on your team, someone has to be in the bottom. Someone has to be in the top and some people have to be in the middle. And you're forced to rank high, medium, and low. Uh, so someone is going to get screwed. Um, it's also a definite, absolute, extremely formalized yearly um, review, right? So what people are moving to is, yeah, we don't do annual reviews anymore. We have people rate other people with an app. And some, and some uh, subset of people are not even going to get a formal review and it's going to be more ad hoc. That's kind of an experimental group. Um, and this is just a GE. I mean, so many companies that I know of have gone way more informal a uh, long time ago. I also know a couple of companies that are extremely uh, formal just like this, but I have a feeling, especially with GE changing, they're probably going to change as well. Ideas. InfoSec needs to embrace tech instead of ridiculing it. This is an essay I did earlier this week. Bottom line here is that, uh, so here was the catalyst. Basically, Amazon came out with their key product. And what that did was uh, it allows you to give a digital code to an Amazon delivery person, and they could use that code to unlock your electronic lock, like an August lock or whatever. And uh, they could take the box and put it right inside your front door, close the door and leave. And InfoSec basically blew up at this. They're like, oh my God, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. You know, internet of garbage, blah, blah, blah. They just go on and on for like, everyone just jumps on the bandwagon. And it suddenly struck me that this is extremely unhealthy. Uh, we are living in the basically the Cambrian explosion of the internet. It's the most interesting time to be alive ever. Uh, internet of things is digitization of everyday objects. Like the world is a wondrous place and, and it's largely because of technology, right? So as security people, we should be technologists first, 
right? This is, this is what I'm arguing here. We should be technologists first. We should be like, oh, yeah, we love technology. Absolutely. Look, you got to be careful, right? There's a lot of garbage out there. There's a lot of extremely stupid things people do with connected devices. And uh, you've got to be cautious of that. But that doesn't mean you become a, a Luddite, right? You, you, don't, you don't run away from tech. And too many people in InfoSec are absolutely doing that. They, they are running from technology. They're like, yeah, I hate tech. Tech's garbage. Ah, it's all garbage. Everything's going on the internet. Um, <clears throat> yeah, if it was up to me, I would just keep all my data private. Like so many people in InfoSec don't even like technology. They want everything turned off. They, it's resistance of change. And someone uh, commented on the post on Twitter and was like, yeah, uh, the, the correct statement here is to say, you know what? We in InfoSec, we love tech more than anyone else. And we're going to be out in front. We're going to lead from the front. We're, we're going to try all this crap, um, you know, internet connected fish plaques. We're, we're going to try all this stuff before anyone else. We're going to tell you where to step and where not to step. And that's leadership. That, that's the leadership that we need in InfoSec to help the masses deal with the stupidity that's coming out. And you have to be a technologist first to do that. You have to embrace the stuff. Of course, secure it. Of course, worry about risk. But uh, can't just say no. Saying no is not a strategy. The new luxury of good information, an idea on how to build a conscious machine. Maybe the current trend for society is fragmentation. On the luxury of abandoning a nice corporate job for the freedom of freelancing. And uh, th those are all my essays. Um, got another idea here. Do all predictions of the future collapse into these four themes? One, growth rate keeps going. Two, transformation upending the past. Three, collapse of the present order. And four, discipline imposed. Next idea here, uh, Patreon continues to improve its tools for helping content creators grow and monetize their audiences. Another interesting player in the space is Memberful, which is what I use. And I think we're basically witnessing a peer-to-peering of, that shouldn't be a verb, of value creation and consumption. Dungeons and Dragons is making a major comeback, and I think it's because role-playing games provide alternate meaning loops. If you think of a meaning loop kind of like Westworld. As a lifelong gamer myself, I definitely see the allure uh, of Dungeons and Dragons. I've been playing it for decades, but uh, can't help but see it as a problem as well. It's like it's possible to role-play as a creative outlet, which is good, obviously. It's also possible to do as a substitute for succeeding in real life which I think is not as good. And I'm worried that the recent rise is because uh, life is just not offering very good meaning loops. Discovery, the Atlas, a search engine for charts. This thing is unbelievable. You type in like Amazon, mobile phone, whatever, internet data, you just type in whatever, and it gives you these super clean, like perfect graphs which you could share and you can embed, you could do all kinds of stuff with. Uh, just an absolute fantastic resource that I, I plan on using a lot. 
uh, a Mascan tutorial and primer, uh, latest addition to my tutorial and primer collection, this time on Mascan. Uh, this is the internet scanner. It's the fastest scanner, port scanner out there. It's capable of scanning the internet, according to the author, um, at six minutes, the entire internet in six minutes. Pretty sure that's only for one port, but that's still fast. Got uh, 28 of the most powerful lines of poetry ever written. Medium has a stellar engineer growth framework, which sets up the framework, describes tracks, shows you how to assess progress. And I really wish more companies had put this much effort into building technical career tracks because usually technical people are kind of, I don't know, second-class citizens compared to management tracks who show you exactly what you can do and how you can get promoted. But uh, Medium just does a fantastic job. Way better job than they do on typography. But I'm not going to mention that. Uh, Airbnb created a system that can create code for an interface based on seeing a sketch. Why you need more than one AWS account. Visualization of what types of application most use Okta. That was a really cool post article. Open source pen testing. Phenomenal presentation by Rob Fuller, uh, Mubix, on standardizing penetration testing using open methodologies and templates. Got updated Infocon rainbow tables. In praise of tactical exploitation, which is a whole bunch of GitHub scripts that someone put together for practical pen testing. Trevor C2 is something Dave Kennedy's group came up with uh, to mask C2 traffic through a normally browsable website. And Uncaptcha, defeat Google's audio recaptcha with 85% accuracy. Uh, so I've rolled out a new idea series on the podcast, which is basically has me reading individual essays on various topics, right? So the idea is to expose you to a new idea. It's like, you know, whatever, three minutes, uh, five minutes, however long the essay is. It's just really crisp. Boom, boom, boom. There you go. Um, it, there'll be a little bit, they could potentially stray into politics because they are ideas and that's kind of what politics are. But um, try to avoid, obviously, polarizing uh, political topics, but so basically, when you look at the title of a, of a show, you'll be able to see, uh, is, it a, uh, is it a standalone title of a topic? You'll know that is one of the idea series. Or is it an um, unsupervised learning uh, title? And if that's the one, that's, that's the normal show that you're listening to now. Um, after a lot of continued requests for me to re-enable comments, I have done that. I am using Facebook comments for a lot of reasons, uh, but definitely show up to the site and, um, and do that. Um, if you could try to click through on the RSS, I, I was going to do a bridge feeds that does not go well. People complain immediately. Um, but the site is actually better to read than RSS. You should click through comment makes for a better sort of experience. Um, and we can have a chat about whatever topic recommendations. Instead of doing 11 products or projects at 37% each, instead pick one or two and do them at a hundred percent. Learn to say no, do fewer things better. Aphorism. Simplicity is the most difficult thing to secure in this world. It is the last limit of experience 
and The Last Effort of Genius by George Sand. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unsupervised Learning. And don't forget, you could also get the show, including all the links to the things I mentioned, in text form by signing up for the email newsletter at danielmiso.com slash newsletter or via the blog post for each episode. I'll see you next time.